do us a quick favor guys hit the follow subscribe button share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow the better the episodes we get thanks guys for helping us and let's get into the episode welcome back to the sculpted podcast guys today we are joined by returning guest and the first returning guest that we've actually had john johnston so if you don't know uh the the relationship that i have with john well it, it first started many years ago um and and i spoke about this in the first episode with john and i don't even know if john even john even realized the first time that i started uh learning from his content but um essentially first first few times i probably was two years into my football career uh then later i uh purchased john's course and i think it's pretty fair to say that that course changed my life in terms of the usage that i still have to this day and uh, John, you'll be happy to hear that I still do those same processes every single day. But I've actually changed it to every two days. I just do two every two days. So it equates to one every day. But I still do them. And seriously, it has changed my life for the... It, it, it's all like this. And I'm very, very, very pleased um, with that. So I really wanted to get John on again today to talk about something that I've been thinking for quite a long time. And... um with that being said, John, if you could give a quick introduction to our guests, our new guests that are listening, uh, to who you are and what you do. Thank you for the introduction. Um, first of all, uh, as for being a returning guest and the first returning guest, also thanks for that. But so my name's John Johnston and I am a mental skills coach based in Scotland. So I live just east of Edinburgh. And for the last seven or eight years now, I think it's seven or eight years, I have been working with professional footballers on the mental side of their game. So I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist. Although my work at times can go down the route of that, it may be very similar, but I'm a mental skills coach who works with professional footballers. The client base that I have is predominantly in Britain, predominantly Scotland and England, but it's went worldwide in terms of MLS, obviously guys like yourself in Australia. And... Yes, helping professional footballers, whether it's improve confidence, whether it's deal with opinions, whether it's put strategies in place for a match day, anything involving match day, but also off the field, we certainly look at that as things that I cover. And my, my pre- predominantly the work that I do is performance related. How, however, at times we do look at off the pitch because I think off the pitch and kind of nailing that for a footballer is just as important as what they do on the pitch in terms of their performance. Yeah, awesome. And I, I do love the the phrase that you have. Um, and there are many, but you can never solve an uh, inner game solution with an outer game. Sorry, an outer, sorry, an inner game problem with an outer game solution. Is that right? Yeah. You'll never solve an inner game struggle with an outer game solution. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so... Let's get on to the quick fire questions that we have. So I know the answer to, I think, the first one at least. But for the listeners, who is your favourite football team? I grew up supporting Hibs in Scotland and also Liverpool. So yeah. I had a season ticket Easter Road, which is where Hibs play. And to be fair, recently they've took on the likes of Lewis Miller from Australia. Yeah. They've got... Adam Lafondre came in from Australia and across the city at Hearts. They brought in a few Australians. But I grew up in Hib, Easter Road, so I had a season ticket there. And if I wasn't uh, Easter Road watching Hibs 
or playing myself. I used to go down to Anfield quite a lot, but unfortunately I've not been to Anfield for a few years, but Hibs and Liverpool would be the answer to that. Yeah, okay, there are a lot of Australians playing in Scotland at the moment, and there is reason for that, which is due to uh, the Brexit rules, but also a lot of players from my area. So Lewis Miller, uh, he's from my area, the head coach as well, Nick Montgomery. He's, yep. He didn't used to live next door. That was another player, but he'd always come onto my driveway and he'd always be there. He was my old, when I was at uh, the Central Coast Mariners, which is the local team, he's a family friend of ours. So um, lots of different, you know, yeah. coincidences there. But um, next question, what is your favourite food? As as someone Scottish, I should probably say something like haggis. But <laughs> if, if we're talking death row, it's certainly not that I do enjoy a Haribo. Although it's an <laughs> empty calorie, I do enjoy a Haribo. So let's go for that instead of haggis. If haggis was out there, that would be crazy. <laughs> all right. Who is your favourite football player of all time? I enjoy Jamie, watching Jamie Carragher when growing up. So I played centre half myself, or I tried to play centre half myself, and just his at the time and how he played, and his passion, his commitment, and the simplicity in how he played his game. I really enjoyed Jamie Carragher, and he's someone that whose game certainly back then was somebody that when I was a kid I looked to base my looked to base my game on, and I remember actually one of my Liverpool tops having Carragher twenty three on it, which round about two thousand and two, I don't think there'd be too many with that. Yeah. Interesting. I actually haven't heard many people say Jamie Carragher before, but I like that one. Um, now, Scotland is an underrated holiday place that not many people would say is a holiday place. But what is your favourite holiday destination? Being self-employed, holidays are something that you don't get too often. So I think me me and my wife, or who's now my wife, we were, we were together for probably five years, six years before we actually went abroad, just the two of us. Um, and that was due to my work commitments and hours I put in at work. But if you say to me a holiday destination, I'd be looking up the north of Scotland somewhere. So I'm going to say, it's actually where we got married. I'll say Glencoe in Scotland. Okay, all right. Interesting. Yeah, I think I hear a few people who go to Scotland and they say it's amazing. But not many, I think when most people go to Europe, not many people go, but from the people who I have heard go, they love it. It's very, very interesting. I don't know. All right. The most famous player that you've worked with? In terms of fame, it's not someone I really think about on that front. Um, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't think I've worked with a player, if you're talking modern day fame, I don't think I've worked with a player who has a million social media followers or whatnot, but I've worked with three or four lads that have played for the Scottish national team. Um, so it would probably be, again, they, if you're wanting to say famous or use that term, they'd be famous in Scotland, so to speak, and maybe Britain, but I would be one of the lads that I've worked with in the Scottish national team. Yeah, okay. And is it Lawrence Shankland? He's in Belgium? Just now, I, yep. Uh, yeah. Lawrence is doing really well just now. He he was in Belgium, come back to Scotland. I think he's sitting with over 50 goals in 18 months just now. So he's doing really well and pushing hard to be part of the Scotland team that's made the Euros. So, no, he's doing well. But again, in terms of fame, I don't think Lawrence would disagree with me here, but as much as he's doing really, really well just now on the pitch, he's certainly no. He wouldn't be putting himself in the famous bracket, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, 
Now, I don't think that you have much time outside of football and the work that you do, but is there a favorite thing that you like to do outside of football? Walk my dog. I do see that in your story a lot. I do see that in your story a lot. And and also running, right? Yeah, yeah. I was at, I, I just actually had a, had a running event there at the weekend. That was my first one for a little while, but last year I'd done 5k a day for a year, so yeah. I ended up doing 366 because I always try to do one more consecutive 5Ks. But the big thing for me would be, it would be a dog walk. I've not got much of a social life in that. My life's really simple. Wake up, walk a dog, have a shower, work, walk a dog, watch a bit of telly and go to my bed, rinse and repeat that for the last eight years. People say that that's boring, but honestly, I love that life. I love that life. It's, it's very. I live a very simple life. There's not a great deal of decision making when it comes to personal life and whatnot. But now nah, walking the dog would be the thing that I enjoy out with football. Or yeah. All right. What is the most used app in your phone? It could potentially, unfortunately, it could potentially be the Instagram app. But out with that, I also have the apps on my computer, so it could be something like my. Maybe my calendar app. So I use the calendar app quite a lot because when clients book sessions, it just automatically goes into my calendar. But it would be Safari, YouTube, Instagram, one of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I also, like, it's very difficult. Like, I actually had a period of time where I wasn't working on Instagram and so I just deleted Instagram. But it's so tempting just to have Instagram on your, um, on your phone. So I just only had it on my desktop for a while and that causes enough resistance to like not use it some days it's a yeah, good one to be fair, those things those things on my desktop i wouldn't have those kind of things on my desktop but now i rethink my answer 100 percent is youtube a million percent yeah, yeah. that i'd watched youtube now instead of watching the tv so i've changed my answer to youtube <laughs> yeah all right what is one thing on your bucket list a bucket list is something I don't have, but if we talk in terms of football, something that I would like to do would be, I'd really like to go to the River Plate Boca Juniors game or Boca Juniors River Plate. Um, I think that was actually on last night. I'm not sure of the score, but they played last night, but I'd love to go to the Boca Juniors River Plate game. Yeah, that is a crazy game to go to. There's a guy who um, is from Australia who would report like all the biggest derbies in the world, and that one was hectic. It is a very, very crazy one. Insane, insane. Now, let's get into the big theme for today, which is, is there a thing as too much? And what we're talking about here is mental because this is a common theme, right? So when we talk about what is too much, I've been told throughout my career of youth football that I'm always doing too much now physically that's another story i have my own um philosophy or theory on that but mentally this is something that i haven't thought about in in a, in a conclusive way yet and this is where i wanted to hash it out today so can you go into your philosophy firstly of you will never solve an inner game problem with an outer game solution can you go into that philosophy for us first? So in terms of, or the reason I say you'll never solve an inner game struggle with an outer game solution, so 
if we talk an inner game struggle, say a player is lacking the confidence, they're lacking confidence or they're lacking belief or they're struggling to deal with other people's opinions, I don't believe you'll solve that struggle in terms of something that you're doing outward game. So what I mean by that, outward game would be training, would be nutrition, could be gym work, things like that, turning up to training earlier, going home later, whatever it might be. I believe to solve an inner game struggle, it needs to be an inner game solution. Now, don't get me wrong, I think that on the training field can be part of the solution. I think that nutrition, the physical side of the game can be part of the solution at times, but I don't think it is the only part of the solution. So if we are talking confidence, for me, that's inner game. If we're talking levels of belief, it's inner game. If we talk about dealing with opinions, again, that's inner game. Dealing with judgment, expectations, these are all inner game things. And for me, inner game struggles, you need inner game solutions. So if you're looking to deal with pressure, if you're looking to deal with opinions, if you're looking to create confidence, that won't come from a physical toolbox. So if you think it like an actual toolbox with tools in it, training harder won't help you deal with pressure. Training longer won't help you deal with pressure. Training, training harder and longer, I don't think will help you overcome a confidence struggle. Can they be part of the solution? Yes. But for me, ultimately, if it's confidence, if it's pressure, if it's opinions, inner game struggles require inner game solutions. So is that a case of putting a solution in place for a potential problem? Is that a case of looking at changing a belief, changing a story, reframing something? They, for me, would be inner game tools overcoming our game struggles and I'll be honest I look, I look back to myself when I played I never played to a great level but making a mistake I was a centre half and making a mistake was something that worried me worried me to a point that it, it, without a shadow of a doubt it impacted the way that I played now what I would say I always I captained a lot of teams that I played for I'd always show up I'd always be on the front foot off the ball I love defending, I love tackling, heading, things like that. But when it came to actually playing with the ball at my feet, it was something that I could do on a Tuesday and Thursday at training or a Monday and Wednesday at training. But when it then came into a game, I could see the ball going from, say, right midfield to right back. And I'm thinking, right, in two or three passes, this has ended up at my feet. And straight away, I'd go into kind of what I'd call firehead. I'd become panicky. My mind would be rushing. I'd be racing. My mouth would probably go a bit dry and by the time the ball got to my feet, I was very jittery. And if you watch me, you'd go, you know what, he needs to work on his touch, he needs to work on his passing. But if you seen me on a Tuesday and Thursday, you wouldn't. I had to tack the technical ability to do what I was looking to do come a Saturday. But it was mental deficiencies that were holding me back or it was probably opinions and what other people would think of me if I made a mistake. I thought I was the only one that would make a mistake, a lack of confidence on the ball. Things like that, and for me, I ran harder, I ran longer, I, I lifted heavier, I ate better, I went to training earlier, I'd done more getting work at training, and then when I went back out on the field on a Saturday, it ultimately, it put me in a worse place, because I was working harder, but I wasn't seeing any results, because I was trying to solve an inner game struggle with an outer game solution, so we no seeing any results, I actually felt worse, so I'm like, oh no, I'm now working even harder on this problem. And I've no created the solution. So that's what I would say, um, or that's what I mean by you'll never solve an inner game struggle with an outer game solution. Yeah, and there's many things that pop out to me here. You mentioned that you're working harder, but getting worse results. Now, something that I believe in is working smarter and harder. 
And this is a good example of how working harder doesn't always mean that you're going to get the desired result. Working smarter and harder, I believe, and, and I think that this is something that you do as well, right? Sorry, something that you preach is the processes that you have, right? A, a lot of the time, we lack this awareness. And even if you do have processes in place, you can still lack awareness, but you're proactively... Uh, I, I made this analogy the other day when I was speaking about this in my own episode that I was doing by myself. And um, I, I got two things that were different in height. And let's say it's this bottle and this book. And if you, if this is the person who never, uh, if, if this was to be a measurement of anything, okay, let's say it's uh, running. And this person is always running. And this, they're doing, this represents 20 kilometers. And this represents five kilometers. And this is the comparison. So the process that this individual might have is every time that they reach over five kilometers and they do their 20 kilometers, their process is they stretch. So this, then it gets cut. So every time this goes over, they cut it. Their process, they don't even know how long they're running for, but they just know, okay, I got to, I got to stretch every day, whatever it is. This person, they never do it. Which person will be more successful? Well, this person may be able to go for long enough. They don't know when they're going to get injured and it will accumulately grow. But this person may never get injured directly through overdoing it because they're always doing these processes that are constantly refining. Sometimes they'll get very, very close to this line to where they're going to get injured. But guess what? Last minute, they saved the day because they did their processes. They never knew that they were that close, but the processes are always there keeping them, you know, in line. Now, you also mentioned the firehead and ice head. Now, I also want to ask you something about that, but can you go into why you have these processes in place, similar to how I gave that analogy? In terms of talking firehead and icehead, it's for nothing more than awareness. So again, to if you talk firehead, for example, that could it was basically just what I dis, um, described there. So firehead could be very outcome. You become very outcome based in your thinking. Um, you start jumping forward into the future as opposed to being here and now. Firehead can be when your body and your muscles get tense and you're not struggling to move, but it's affecting your movement. It can be overcome by worry, just overcome by doubt. And yeah, you're always going to have an element of fear in your performance. You're probably always going to have an element of doubt at times, but it's kind of, it's putting the shackles on your performance. So... The reason I would use terms, and you can use any term that you want, but the reason I would use terms such as firehead and icehead, particularly firehead, is for awareness. So if a player then understands, right, I'm in firehead, ideally they, they then have a process to help bring themselves or try bring themselves from firehead to icehead. So if you, to bring this back to, if you want to say everyday life, if you're in a building and a fire alarm goes off, and we'll assume that no no one has put it off can he, um, at their own accord for no reason. But if you're in a building and a fire alarm goes off, you would then execute on the fire drill or the safety drill. And it's exactly the same if we then take it back to the firehead and icehead analogy. That's exactly the same in football. So if a player's really, really struggling from a mental perspective and they know what their firehead looks like and these things are showing up in their game and they're crippled within the game by just making yourself aware that like saying to yourself firehead that's effectively the fire drill going off now once the fire drill goes off that's then giving the player a level of awareness to go right we now need to execute on the safety drill 
which will look different for every player. Yeah. And the fire head and ice head, that, that, that awareness that it brings is very important. But in the moment, it's also very difficult to acknowledge. Uh, what I've noticed, that through the processes that I have, I now will, not not to the extent that I'm explicitly saying it in, in a match, but if I make a mistake to where I would usually be going into firehead, I stay in that ice that ice head and it's you know water off a duck's back um i think truly that can only come through one thing and that's through the processes that i've had uh and a lot of it is the pre-narratives the framework that i you know think about different things um a lot of it is all of that work that you know i learned through the course that you did all that all those years ago and, and as i said i still do that today now bringing it to the frequency how often do you speak with a client? Do you ask them to say, you know, I want to do it weekly? Do you say, okay, I think you, you're more of a one, one, once a month kind of guy. How, how do you judge that with a client? If a, if, I, if a client was coming to me and it was the first time they had ever worked with myself, it would be weekly. It would be minimum would be weekly um, for an initial period. And the reason being, it would, even if you take if we take it back to the physical side and say you have someone, and again, I'll go back to my background of being a personal trainer here. If, I, if someone came to me who was, say they were severely overweight, so they were really struggling with their weight, and they were looking to do personal training sessions, if somebody was really, they're really committed to the result, they were really committed to losing the weight, they want to lose weight, I wouldn't be saying, right, let's train together once a month. You'd be like, you know what, see this initial period, it needs to be intense. Now, obviously, for the physical side, you might go, you might say it needs to be weekly, or it might need to be two times a week, three times a week, or whatnot. So you then get that right initial period, and then once the weight does come off, it's then probably going to be less frequent um, as they go forward themselves, or as they continue to go with you. And I always say, like when working with the clients that I've got on board now, I'd always say it's like a garden. So if you take a garden and you go, do you know what? I'm going to work, my garden looks really, really bad, I'm going to work on this, it's got to take me 12 hours to get it looking the way that I want. So you do 12 hours work, the, the garden looks banging, and then if you don't touch that garden for weeks or months, it's got to go back to how it was previously, and then you've got to have to spend all the kind of, all your time, a whole day on it once again, for it then to look, if you take the same approach, for it then to look poor again, to then spend all the hours on it again. Whereas I'm like, you do the work initially, so that intense initial work, you're talking about systems, processes, tools, you put them in place, and then going forward, you're spending five minutes a day on this garden, so you do the work initially, and then as it goes forward, it's kind of little and often, as opposed to a massive, kind of crashy work, but what I would say is, 100%, if somebody comes on board to work with me and they're, they're a newcomer, so to speak, to my methods, and to the mental side of the game, it's at least, you'll do a session at least once a week, but what I also have, I have the, I have like a VIP service where clients can get 24-7 access to me, but initially it normally starts at a session a week, and obviously with game schedules and whatnot, it can differ to that, but a minimum, um, a session a week in that initial period, but going forward, you want to have them having the systems and processes in place, similar to yourself, systems and processes in place for you to then go, 
I've got this, I can then go do this myself. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, when we're talking about the mental side, what do you actually classify as mental work? Because as you mentioned before, like you could argue, okay, learning about nutrition or something like that, learning about something could classify as mental work. Um, what are what are the things that you would say constitute as mental work? So in terms of in terms of mental work, if I was to define it, I'd be looking at improving the way that you're thinking, the way that you're feeling, or what you're believing, in order to improve performance on or off the pitch. So if you're doing something that improves the way that you're thinking, if you're doing something that improves the way that you're feeling, if you're doing something that improves what you believe. And it's helping performance on and off the pitch. I would classify that as mental work. Now, I spoke earlier. You'd asked a question earlier, like, oh, what's something I enjoy doing out with work? Walking my dog. I'd, I'd Personally, I'd classify walking my dog as mental work for me. But what I would say, if I'm, if I'm a professional footballer and I'm looking to build confidence and if I'm looking to deal with opinions better and I am looking to deal with pressure better, just walking my dog every day probably isn't going to be enough. But I'm just talking about if we're talking a, like again the walking the dog for me. Obviously, the dog needs walks regardless. But what it is for me is just a mental release. It's a way of switching off. It's a way to get out into the into the kind of into the wild, so to speak, and realise that I'm irrelevant. Like when I look at me compared to the the size of me compared to the fields I walk through the size of me compared to the world or whatnot, I am absolutely irrelevant. And I love that reminder. Walk my dog teaches me that, but that's what I want to get from walking my dog as well as the dog needs to do our business and keep fit as well. But going back to any football specific, it could be, for some people, meditation. I'm, I'm not a meditator, to be honest, um, but for other people, meditations. Again, affirmations. Not for me, but it is for other people. Um reframing things, looking at changing your beliefs, looking at questioning what you're telling yourself, look at things that you've done well previously in order to create confidence. For me, you could you could class, I think anything that changes the way that you think, the way that you feel or what you believe, I think you can class it as mental skills work. However, there's got to be a, what am I trying to do with this? So somebody's looking for a release, somebody's looking, I just need to it's so, so tense in my football career, I just need a release. Walking the dog might be the answer for them. However, if we've got a professional footballer and they're looking to create confidence going into a game and they're wanting more consistent confidence and performing a bit more courage, walking the dog probably isn't going to be the answer for them. However, it might be looking at what they've done well previously. That is the answer for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it... it I like the point because it's very specific there, right? Like, for example, I think a lot of people would say, uh, and I've had conversations with friends about this, actually. One friend who I actually started this podcast with, um, the first co-host who I had, he really wanted to start doing ice baths. And he, he told me that it's going to improve his mentality a lot. And I questioned him because I thought, okay, ice baths are sure maybe helping you with doing difficult things but also who said training was easy who said going on a 20 kilometer run is easy i think there's better ways of doing that and get better results doing it as well so 
the specific the specification you could say needs to be very focused here because as you mentioned if you're a footballer who wants to improve his confidence getting in an ice bath isn't going to make you confident going on a walk with your dog isn't going to make you confident i think the biggest thing for a lot of people is actually the the unawareness that they have of what working on your 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 mental means for example pre-narratives i didn't know what pre-narratives meant before you introduced that to me in your course i had no idea i had no idea about how i could even deal with opinions having a mental filter you know if someone says something to me that i maybe disagree with i know that they may be either don't know me well enough because they aren't reflecting my three pillars which is also the sculpted podcast logo or they're right and if they're right then guess what i just need to improve uh all of these different things that i didn't know about is what a lot of people i think struggle with i think as well though right so the way that i look at i take it back and again go back to when i left the school i was a plumber so I left, I left school and became qualified as a plumber. So what I'd done was went to college and whatnot. You became qualified as a plumber. But basically, I'd walk into a job and, for instance, say it was a leaking radiator. Right, there's a leaking radiator in that in that house. You need to go and fix it. I'd go in and see what, what it was. Leaking radiator. What do I need for this? I just need a set of grips and a spanner. I'd go back to the van set a grip, spanner, you jag it up, tighten it, check it wasn't leaking, you were good to go. So you needed two two tools for that job. But if I knew I was turning up to a job and it was a new bathroom suite that I needed to go and fit, I'd get the tool bag out the, out the van and I would take every tool onto that job. Uh, and what I'm getting at with this is different tools require, or different jobs require different tools, sorry. And I say this to all my clients, so... I could have, right, for instance, on Wednesday night here, it is Hearts playing Hibs. So I've got two clients, opposite sides, Hearts v Hibs is the Edinburgh Derby. Two lads going into it, different circumstances they're going into, one's coming back for an injury, one's absolutely flying, scoring goals. Although they're going into the same job, or if, although they're going into the same match, the job for them will be different. So for one, it'll probably be preparing coming from the bench if they're involved because they're coming back from a long-term injury. Whereas the other one, they'll look at it and go, you know what, I need different tools because my job is slightly different. So it might be to deal with the pressures of goal scoring or whatnot. So different jobs require different tools. And it's understanding, like as a player going into a match, what is the job that you have at hand from a mental perspective? So I've got two players that could go into the same situation and then if I've got two players going into the same situation they might see the job different and therefore require different tools. And that's where like I touched on affirmations previously. I'd touched on um, maybe meditation and whatnot. If somebody told me to go and start meditating, not for me. If somebody told me to go and start doing affirmations, not for me. Now, don't get me wrong, next week it might be for me, six months time it might be for me, but it's all down to the individual. So like so you're saying narratives, I think framing things and narratives going into a game, I think it's powerful, you think it's really, really powerful, but for somebody else, 
it might not touch the sides in terms of what they think is powerful and they might need to meditate. They might need narratives or whatnot. And that's cool. That's completely cool. Like, what tool works for you and what way and work different for somebody else? But I think, going back to your point, diff- and I'll repeat this, different jobs require different tools. So a player needs to understand what's the job I have at hand here and then again what you've got in place for yourself and what I look to build for clients is a mental skills toolbox. So you're not going to use every tool for every job. But then again, you're like, right, what I want clients to know is whatever job I have come Saturday or whenever the game is, I know I've got a tool bag here that I can go into in order to do that job. Yeah, I I love that point because it made me think of why do I do all of my mental work? I'm going to read out to you all of the, the things that I do and also how they've changed over time because... I do change them. So I have fear, which is a new one that I added. And it's for moments that I fear doing. Because there's there's things in a game that I, you could say, fear. Uh, I have a self-assessment and action plan, which just helps me with self-awareness on all levels. I have vision and perspective. So I have my vision for the next two weeks. And then I put it into perspective on how real it is. And it's always every two weeks that I do it because I want to be thinking in two weeks um, blocks. I have beliefs that I then reframe and also construct to help me. I have dealing with opinions. I have pressure, which is similar to fear, um, but different way of framing it. Then I've also got pre-narratives, and then I've got four A's, which is address, awareness, action, and assess, which I believe is something that you've talked about. Is that right? The four A's? Maybe. Can't remember. I've no way to take credit for something that I've never (laughs) meant, that I've no meant previously. I may have um, come up with different kind of acronyms and whatnot at times but that one doesn't can he jump out to me so i'm, I'm not going to sit here and take credit yeah okay <laughs> yeah but to the point right these these actually have changed quite a lot since i first started doing it because my mental toolbox has needed to change right so i go into a match knowing that whatever happens oh i've got a tool for that and that confidence in itself doesn't come through just sitting and doing nothing. And I think this is where I'm saying my ice head, I'm always able to be in that moment. Even if I'm doing the wrong thing and stuffing up, I've got the mental processes to deal with it because I know whatever happens, I'm still the same person and I can deal with whatever happens and whatever comes my way. Now, thinking about how we measure and how we how we go over all of these different things, right? How do we actually measure how much mental work we do? Because if I'm saying I do two processes every two days, is this too much? I've been told by a sports psychologist. So I, I uh, we have the PFA in Australia and I get free access to a sports psychologist. I did one consultation and they told me that I'm doing too much and I never spoke to them since because I was thinking, cool. well, one, I realized that I had already created a solution to the problem that I had before I even joined the the meeting with them. But two, I don't know if they know me well enough to say that. Now, how would you say you can measure mental work, right? Because you mentioned that, okay, once a week minimum for most of your clients when you're starting out. Does that constitute as technically seven small workouts each day? How, how do you measure that? I think it's, in terms of what's too much, it's down to the individual. 
I think it's down to the individual and it's down to the circumstances that you find yourself in. So, 100%, it's... See, it's not really my place to tell anybody that they're doing too much. Like, if I've, if I've got somebody in front of me and they're doing something and they think, this is... I've got X amount of things going on. I feel brilliant. This works for me. Who's me to then go and stick a number on that and say, you know what, that's far too much? If somebody, if it's working for somebody, run with it. And I think, like going into a performance, going into a mental performance and going, do you know what, how, how will I know what's too much in terms of uh, what I need to do? Or we'll find out after the game. We'll find out after the game. There's no. Oh well, if you you need to do just one thing, or you need to do six things, or you need to do. I'll be honest, when clients go into a game, I'd say to them, if I was to kind of put some sort of number on it, for me, three's the magic number. I wouldn't be personally. I'm not looking for a client to take more than three tools into a game, because I just think after three, things can become kind of diluted, and um, it's almost like. Well, three would be 33 and a third percent if you stick percentages on it. But if you then try five things, you've then got 20% of your attention going on. I'd say three's the magic number because I think three sits quite nicely. And most things that I tell clients to do, I'd be like, if you think one's enough, crack on with one. But I probably wouldn't go above three because it can then lead to being overwhelming. But if I had someone sitting in front of me, a client, and they're like, right, I'm doing these things and I feel overwhelmed. Right, cool. The answer to overwhelm is never do more. Do less. And I remember a coach that I used a few years ago. And again, if it goes back to overwhelm in terms of what you need to do, it's like, if you imagine you've got however many juggling balls going and you're feeling overwhelmed and then you're like, oh, the answer is chuck another juggling ball and do a little bit. It's like, no, no, put the juggling balls down and then just start picking them back up and slowly but surely you build again. So it comes down 100%, it comes to the individual. But what I would also say in terms of the individual it also comes down to the circumstances that they find themselves in. So, again, I could use, I've got a client and say they're going into a pre-season friendly. You might find that they'll, they might go into that game with no tools. Like, well, no, no tools, but can they know a way off, right, specifically I'm going to apply this tool to this game. Whereas, if in six months' time they're going into a derby in front of 50,000, 60,000 people, you might find that they need to use two or three more tool, uh, tools at their bag than what they would for a pre-season friendly. But then again, I have... Or what what would tend to happen, I think, is... I might be wrong in saying this, but I'm just trying to think back to my experiences. Quite often when a player's gone well, they're probably got to use less tools. They probably have more confidence, more trust in their shell, and have less awareness. Probably still apply tools, but have less awareness in doing it. Whereas if a client feels they're struggling, they're probably got to use one or two tools that they maybe wouldn't have previously. So one, it comes to the individual, and two, it comes down to the circumstances that the individual finds himself in. So a a client might be, he's flying, he's doing really, really well, and then, obviously this this doesn't just happen, but maybe their wife has a kid during that week. Their world has completely changed, and as much as they're flying they might need to do something different in terms of lacking a bit of sleep or kind of lacking a bit of sleep then led to maybe a lack of confidence affecting things that way. Or then again, you might have a client who for weeks have had to dig in, dig in, get myself through, get myself through, then they get a hat trick and then it's like, you know what, off the back of that hat trick, I can 
can he pull back on the tools that I'm using? So I think the point I'm trying to make is it comes down to the individual, it comes down to the circumstances, and certainly if you told me the tools that you use, who am I to say it's too much for you? Don't get me wrong, if you told me I've got these symptoms or I've got this going on and this is what I'm doing, I could maybe go, that's probably too much or it's not enough. Um, but again, that initial period, I think you've got to do more. And as you go, it kind of tailors off and you do less. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on that, we talk about stress. We talk about being overwhelmed. You gave the analogy for the juggling balls, right? Physically, it's very easy to measure when you're doing too much. And it's also very easy to measure when you're not doing enough. Quite often, the, the, the middle ground is the most difficult thing to measure. But even then, right, I'm tracking everything as much as I can physically. I'm, I'm double strapped up. Like I'm, I'm doing everything I can to be as aware as possible of my physical being. Is there such thing as a mental injury that can say, okay, you're doing too much now? What would that be for you? To give, I don't know if I can give a specific answer to that question, but a specific example could be, like I'd always drum into clients, create the solution before you hit the problem. But then again, when you go into a game, there could be a few pro quite a few problems that arise, but I'm not looking for that client to create a solution for every problem. Like again, going into a game, I certainly wouldn't be having more than three solutions in place probably just right what's the one thing if it if this goes it's got to ask questions of me that I need to be prepared I need to have the solution in place before the problem I'd probably really be drilling in one but if they're going out and going right I've got five or six and I've got seven or eight things in place for if this goes wrong then I'd be like right that, that's far too much but again it comes back to the individual one what are we trying to achieve here and two is our current approach achieving that if we're trying to achieve something and the current approach is achieving it and they're doing something every morning, keep doing it. That's perfect. But if you've got a current goal, and I'm talking from a mental perspective here, and your current approach isn't achieving that on a consistent basis or you've done it for a few weeks and it's not changed, well, we either need to change the tool or we need to change the frequency of what we do. And I remember a lad, still work with him, really good lad, um, a lad that worked with in the MLS, so this he had one of the first players that had come to work with myself probably a couple of years ago and he had an understanding in the mental side and he had worked with counsellors and psychologists and whatnot previously so he had a right good grounding and then I'd say to him I was like right so what have we got in place and he was rhyming off boom 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 tool after tool after tool after tool I'm like wow the amount of tools this guy had and there's a kind of hardware shop across here called b and I don't know if it's over there but Honestly, mate, this was like going into a hardware shop and that's not thing. Tool after tool. So I actually said, and this is the analogy I used, I'm like, right, we're going to take this shit. Imagine we have a shed here. Imagine you've got a shed at the bottom of your garden. What I want you to do is list out all the tools that you have. So you listed them out and then I'm like, right, that's cool. We've, we've got them all there. Just because we've got them doesn't mean to say that we need to use them. And then it was like, right, I want you to go to the bottom of the garden and hook these up into the shed. Obviously, that wasn't a physical thing. But what, I would, what, what I'm trying to get across to him was, you don't need to do everything. You don't need to use every tool for every job. And just understand that they'll always be at the bottom of the garden. 
you can go to the bottom of the garden, you can go in the shed, put a tool back, take a tool out, it's cool, they're not going to disappear, I think he had a fear that if he stopped doing something, it would disappear, but I was like, no, no, they're all got to be kept in one place, obviously a piece of paper for him that I've seen, imagine it's like a shed, and then it could just be, right, let's, let's settle, because we know where these are, and he was a lad that, if you're what I say, doing too much, he was like, he was journaling quite a lot of times of the day, and he was He's still in his meditation loads of times a day and that. And I was like, why are you actually doing that? Again, it was just a question as opposed to me saying, don't do it. I was like, why are you why are you doing it as frequently as you are? And he went away and he was just doing it because he had always done it. It wasn't an end to a meaning, it wasn't to try and prove. He was just doing that because he had always done it. So some of these things he stopped and never picked back up. But some of these things he stopped and then he did pick back up. Mm. So I don't probably doesn't answer your question in terms of the frequency or what is too much but again it comes back to the individual like what are we trying to achieve here and is what we are currently doing is it achieving it or is it not but if we've got a listener here and they're looking to dive into the mental side of things and they're a if you're what to say a novice for example they're probably going to have to do more than someone who is at the other end of the scale if expert is the right term yeah when we think about uh, the extremes of it, I'd say that that player is probably at, at the the higher level, right? You could say almost an extreme example. Maybe maybe the most extreme example that you've come across, even though you could be more extreme. But with, with this, would there be any visible signs or any any hints to you in his performance potentially that could say okay maybe he's doing too much that is then unproductive to his performance or maybe even unproductive to how he lives his life right if he's spending too much time focusing on how he can breathe better and calm his nerves during a game for example but he's completely forgetting about just relaxing and spending time with his family if he just spent you know that time spending time with his family he would then be less nervous of course this is just hypothetical uh variables here but is this something that you think that of course it it requires a a very high level of self-awareness and often i would imagine that would actually have to come from an external source of awareness but do you think that there would be the any signs of someone who's doing too much for then someone individually to say okay maybe i've got to tone it down or even okay maybe i've got to do a bit more In terms of physically, I'll be honest, even when I go to, like the games I'll go is to watch clients and to be fair, when I go to games to watch clients, I'm not going there to analyse their performance or to look at what they've done or what they've not done. I go there because I enjoy watching clients play. So I didn't go there and go, could he have passed inside or could he have done this, could he have done that. Don't get me wrong, I a general feel of the game in terms of what's happening and whatnot, but in terms of the actual performance, I leave that to them. Um, that's not my bag. Tactically, technically, I do have an understanding, but I'm certainly not an expert. That's not my bag. And the thing I'd always come back to is asking questions. Right? So whether it is certain moments or whatnot, it's actually asking them. So it might look to me like he was shot to bits or he was really, really confident, but I might speak to them and it might be something completely different. Um, so again, I don't think there's a... In terms of somebody doing too much, like say physically, you've probably got, you could have 
energy levels could be down, so to speak. Um, there's probably other things as well, uh, fatigue and whatnot can set in. But from an actual physical perspective, you're watching someone, can I look and say they're doing too much or too little? I'd make that judgment by actually speaking to the person. So again, if someone's, it goes back to the individual. And I've said this numerous times on it, and I'll always keep coming back to it. But if someone is going out there and they want to, they want to play with courage, they want to take everything on. For example, if that's what their aim is in that game, and they go into that game and they take everything on, that's cool. What that would tell me is what you've done. You're on the sweet spot. Whereas if they're going into the game and their aim is to be uh, courageous and they want to take everything on but there's a few things that they turn down you might look and go well we've maybe not done enough there maybe it's to deal with giving the ball away have we not got a response in place for that or is it a case of what other people might think of us is it a um is it a case of that but again when you work with the mental side I've got players who one week think that they have complete football then next week it feels like can I can I take a touch and can I put it across so people's levels of resilience go up and down. People, what actually happens, like say, they might be flying for three or four weeks and they're getting praised heavily on social media and they're aware of that because I think players do check that as much as they say they probably don't. But then there might come a day where they get hammered on social media for something they've done in their personal life and bang, the game has just completely changed. So I think it's it's important to, for me when working with clients, it's through asking questions but if I'm an individual listening to this podcast, I'm thinking, right, from a mental perspective, what am I trying to achieve here? Am I currently achieving that? If yes, yeah, crack on. If not, maybe you've not done it long enough to see the fruition of your work or to see the results of your work. But then again, if you've been doing something for four or five weeks and you're really not seeing the results from a mental perspective, what I'd maybe say is we need to change a tool, add a tool, or maybe change the frequency of using a tool. But without that person sitting in front, it's not something you could then go and diagnose or say there's a prescription. Mm. It is a very difficult one to have. One, that, that awareness to do a specific thing and to say, okay, well, maybe I need to improve this. But then also to say, I'm doing too much of it. And I'll be honest, like I think that I'll probably struggle with that. But um, in terms of I have identified areas, for example, the reason why I have gotten rid of some processes and added new ones is, is that level. But... Again, right? If I was to be working with someone and they were seeing everything that I was doing, that level of awareness is very, very important. And they can see things that I can't see because I've got blind spots, you know? And that happens. Um, going into a bit of a deeper version of this, my whole thought behind th this episode was I was on the bench for a game and... I then get subbed on, have, having doing no mental work prior because I knew that I wasn't going to play or had thought that I wasn't going to play. And then I play very well, arguably better than I've ever played before. And I've heard this from a lot of people in that situation, specifically goalkeepers, because most goalkeepers probably wouldn't prepare for a game if they're told that they're going on the bench. Is this a case of, do you think, okay, I've probably improved since the last game or is it correlation without causation so what i mean is was it that i didn't do the mental work for the game and i actually performed better not stressing about it i've done the mental mental work many many times before so those, those tools are down in the shed 
but I wasn't fixating over those tools. And I ended up playing better because I wasn't fixating over those tools and focusing on those tools. But if I needed those tools in the game, I could have gone to the shed and got them. Well, what are your thoughts on that? No idea, to be honest, mate. Not a clue on that. Could be one. Might be because you've done something, might be because you've no, no way saying. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to measure. Oh, 100%. But though, again, the, the only kind of... The way to kind of... If you want to say truly measure it is if you went into a game and you never mentally prepared and you felt it helped you in that situation, go into the next game, try the same approach. You'd have to try that approach consistently to see whether it is working or not. Um, but again, having that, you're probably at a place where you can bring mental tools out the bag, so to speak, with no a great deal of prior work because you've done it that consistently. Um so again, I in terms of that, for me to say, oh, it was because of this or it was because of that, no idea. Mm-hmm. But some players have got into situations and they've not done a great deal of work and just maybe less expectations of themselves, reduce the pressure, um, maybe less time to think about it. You've just been chucked on, not expecting it to be on, and the fact that you've had less time to think about it would be better than finding out the morning before that there's a chance you might come on. It's like, what, what, the, what ifs can then run through your head? Whereas if you're not expecting to come on, there's probably no a great deal of any forward thinking. There's probably no a great deal of what ifs going through your head. So you're not giving it as much time and effort. And then when you get chucked in, just having less time to think about it can actually help. So there'll be players in your situation that you're looking at it going, you know what, that might have helped. But it'll be somebody else in a position, they've come off the bench as a sub, not done any mental work, they went on, had a beast. And then it's like, that's because I never mentally prepared. So it would be very hard for me to give you a, a kind of black and white answer on that. Yeah, well, my, my thought behind it was similar to what you said for, for my situation, right? And it's always going to be individual. That's that's the thing. So I think that I was okay with it because I could go and walk down to the shed and I could get some tools. Someone else, they go to the shed and, oh, they never had any tools in the first place. Therefore, in that same situation, it's going to be completely different. Um, you mentioned... The best way to then think about it is to then try the next game. And I had done that. And the next game, I it was difficult for me. I didn't feel very comfortable not doing all of the mental work. But I did feel as if I was in the same place as I was when I do do the mental work. I didn't feel too much of a difference. So it would be interesting to see how it is over you know an extended period of time. What had happened after that first instance or the first incident you spoke about, the job then changed. Because you're then like, you're going into the next game not expecting to play, but last game I never expected to play and I ended up did play, so could I go on? Did yeah. I did I need to... So again, it beca- then becomes a different job that you need to deal with. And again, how how each individual deals with that job, so to speak, is, is up to them. Or different players will use different tools for different jobs. Yeah, very. I mean, the more we th- the more we talk about it and the more I think about it, it's it's so complicated. And I think, and I'm aware of the time here, so I'm just trying to think of a way that we can kind of summarize this for the listeners here. And and I'm thinking, one, I think that the the external awareness is going to help massively because we've got blind spots. And the more we work on something, the more we actually feel invested to not see those blind spots because. I don't want to, I've done all this work. I don't want to go against it now, you know? 
Um, so I think that the, the external influence and, and voice will be very, very important for that awareness. And then thinking about the return on investment, you could say, of the current things you're doing. So as you said before, you know, that, that list of all the processes that you've got, okay, look, let's, let's refine it and take the best out of it. Because potentially you could be doing better things that you haven't thought of. And maybe some of that is not doing anything at all. Maybe it is walking the dog because doing too much actually has given you a hyper-focus and hyper-fixation on too many things. Did you have any um, any thoughts on how, how we could summarize this kind of part? You know, I'm just thinking of actually a specific client. I remember going into... So he played Europa League this season. Is it Europa League or Conference League? It's one of the European competitions. He was playing group stage. I remember he performed pretty well and he he was doing quite a lot of mental work in terms of that because he felt that's what he needed at that time. Um, performed well. Had quite a few impressive appearances, to be fair, for his club. And then I just think of him now. Um, he's in a good place in terms of his performance levels. But he's not doing as much mental work as he was previously. But again, the reason being he had come back for an injury. Wasn't quite doing as much. He was still ticking boxes. Uh, he used to look to prepare on a Thursday for a Saturday game. So he could kind of leave the Friday free from the game, so to speak. Whereas now he's just doing his stuff on a Friday night and cracking onto the Saturday. But he's performing well. He's, doing, he's pretty happy with how he's performing. So he's running with that. And again, he's, if I spoke to you about him in six months or a year's time, his mental preparation will probably look different. He'll still be using the same tools. It'll still be the same tool bag. But what tools he's using and how he's using them might change. Mm. Yeah, it's a, as I said, it's very difficult to understand. I think it, it comes with a lot of doing, you know. I think um, the listeners just need to start doing, then you can start reflecting. Was it right? Was it wrong? As you said before, you know, if it was right, keep doing it. If, if it starts to be a little bit wrong, then, okay, change it up, maybe switch up a few things. And um, that, that external source of, you could say, accountability, but also awareness will definitely be very helpful for that person. 100%, mate. 100%. Yeah. Well, John, I'm, I'm aware of the time and um, I'm thinking, we have asked you before, of course, the, the way that we always close the episode is one of three ways that you sculpt yourself every day. Now, I'm thinking it would be quite... Um, topical to see if those have changed what are the three ways that you sculpt yourself on a daily basis and let, let's go over them quickly they'll have changed i can't remember what my answer was last yeah year. But number one like how i sculpt myself in terms of if we're looking at a mental perspective i'll go back to walking the dogs a massive kenny that lets the air out the balloon so that that's one thing i'd look at from a mental perspective another thing i'm always looking at um and it probably helps in terms of my confidence and whatnot. And I'd say one of the apps I most use is YouTube. I'm always looking at other people's stories. I'm always looking at documentaries and whatnot. And no disrespect to documentaries and the people. I think we're all just we're all just ordinary people. Some athletes are ordinary people, kind of doing extraordinary things. I'm always yeah. looking at other people's stories that have created success and the bumps in the road that they've had. And I'm I'm like, well, if they can be successful, why can't I? So that is something I'm always doing is kind of looking at other people's stories and kind of using them for perspective on my own journey. Um, so that's a massive one. And again, another thing that's, this is more outward game than inner game, but that helps me massive from a mental perspective, my levels of sleep 
have a right good lively sleep. Like I'll go to bed at ten o'clock every night, uh, get up, walk the dog, and then I'll crack on with my day. But other things I could say on that sort of thing. Every day I have a to-do list, so I've got structure to my day. First thing I do every day, fill out my to-do list, and then I crack on for that, which I find is really, really helpful. Um, and hopefully that helps the listeners. Sorry, you just cut out on my end. Um, can you hear me? Is it all good? Okay, sorry. Um, I'll just start again. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for your time today. It was a great pleasure to, to have the privilege to interview you again and be the first uh, returning guest of the Sculptor Podcast. I think this will be episode, with all of the series that we have, I think maybe episode 115 or so. So definitely um, progressing. Nothing compared to your 400 probably by now. I think it's 300 and something, mate. Um, I think <laughs> 304 or 305. Okay. But mate, it's, you'll get an episode out one by one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it was, it was awesome to speak with you. And I hope that, uh, the listeners got something out of this today because if they did, I mean, that's, that's our job done. And I certainly did as well. So yeah. Thank you so much, John. It was, it was a privilege. Thanks for having me on.